long time with Mr. Bitspursy listener. How you going? It's Barney. Hello, I am Dan. And we're here with a Bitspursy um, with the last game uh, before the World Cup starts. Dan, it was it was quite a game. It was it was a great game. Um mm. And it was it was at a, a pretty decent viewing time for us as well. Well, like not great. I mean, it was mm. two a.m., but it wasn't horrible. It, so even if we hadn't have won, it wasn't at like a death time to watch the game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't. My rage wasn't in full swing. I was annoyed in parts, but it wasn't in full swing. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's good. I I feel as well. We should probably just address that. We haven't done an episode for a little while. Um, mm. I've, I've had the flu and been out of action for a bit. Um, mm. so there's been a few games that have happened. Um, but I feel like we'll probably just focus on the Leeds game and then, and then see where we go. Yeah. Yeah. Dan said the flu. I've been in El Dorado, the golden city. So sorry <laughs> about that, everyone. I've just been living it up. Please tell us your tales of El Dorado. Uh, well, everything was gold. It was awesome. They treated me like a god. Um, and then these other guys rocked up and they were previously my friends, but I ditched them and then they caused this big ruckus. Anyway, it goes on and on. <laughs> Imagine if you had actually been to El Dorado and that's all you said when you came back. <laughs> Give us some details. Mm, mm. I think you know. I think you know what happened. I think, you know, there was gold there and then well, some friends became enemies and whatnot. Oh, well... <laughs> Oh, well, sung a couple of songs. <laughs> <laughs> Great, but we are back. We are back. Um, yes, we are. So, yes, the Leeds, the Leeds game. I think as well, the fact that it was the, you know, you, you go, oh, this is the last Spurs game for a month or so. It's like, all right, we have to watch this. And please, can we please just have a decent performance so that we can mm. head into the World Cup without all Spurs fans just wanting to annihilate each other? And sure, maybe Spurs fans still do want to annihilate each other, but at a lesser degree. It's not with nuclear bombs. No, it's not not with nuclear bombs. Although I'm sure they would, you know, direct some at Emerson. Yes. Judging by, like, this was the big thing that I didn't actually clock it on the coverage. So it might have been just because it's it's late, a bit delirious. Uh, or whatever, maybe when I get to, I, I, sorry, I went to get a drink or something at the time, but I did, I completely missed the whole sort of cheering as he was going off, um, mm. but then read about it a lot the next day. And I'm like, that's mm. just such abhorrent behavior from our fans. Oh, it's so dark. Did you see it live? No, no, I missed it too. So, I mean, did it really happen? <laughs> <laughs> is that the, is that the, the avenue we want to go down for this topic? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just complete denial. I reckon yeah. that's good. <laughs> it's like denial with something that we want to like, you know, slam fans for, but we just for some reason just start denying it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that happened. It sounds like, uh, well, I didn't see it um, from my couch in Melbourne, Australia at 2am. So yeah, can we not bring politics into this game, please, for once? <laughs> politics stays in politics. Football stays in football, okay? <laughs> But yeah, it's so so bad, so bad, horrible. Just I mean, get yeah. Off his back. I mean, you know, like it was similar. I don't want to do exactly what Extra Inch did this week, where they were like terrible stuff, and now let's slam Emerson Royale for twenty minutes. But uh, well, I mean, they made some good points where it's like he's just not fit for this system. It's not working. Um, there is now pressure. He's copying it because the manager's picking him. Um. 
like what are we what are we going to do about this? He sh- he needs to be sold for his the sake of his own well being and uh, his football career. Oh, definitely. And and it's like um, if we compare Emerson Royale to a baby, if we give this this baby a little like stick of toothpaste and say don't spray this all around the room, and then mm. every time we give it to him, he just sprays around the room. It's like we can't keep blaming the baby <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. It's like, I, I, why I find it so ridiculous is not because it's in defense of him playing well, because it's just that he's, he's not suited for this system and he's never really going to play well in it. Mm. And it's like, you even see in this game, there were some times where he, he, he did make some good movement, but it's just, he doesn't, um, technically he's not, he's not suited to the system. And even though he's quite fit and athletic, which you would go, okay, cool. He's got a great engine on him. He should be able to get up and down and do all that. It still doesn't necessarily just instantly make him a wingback. Um, mm. he's a fullback Then, yeah, I feel sorry for him now because it's like, he's also just on, he seems on, on socials and stuff like such a positive guy. And, um, he genuinely seems really happy to be there, but mm. it's, um, yeah, I just think it's just embarrassing now that, you know, they just keep making the same point over and over again as if, like, as if the club was really going to change that much over this, you know, mm. between these two transfer windows. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I think you've summed it up really well. There's nothing else to really say. He hasn't been good. Hopefully he moves on. We get someone better suited that uh, doesn't, bear because like you know we're not that we're i was gonna say guilty we're not guilty of it but we've been critical of him Uh, everyone's critical of him because the performances that he has put in for spurs in that position have not been good and it's it's consistent and it's frustrating when you see something that's just not improving game after game after game after game um and that falls at the foot of the manager who continues to pick him. Oh, definitely. And if Conte is going to keep picking him, like it's one thing to go back Conte, but then if Conte keeps picking this player, then it's like, well, <laughs> back Conte. you got to go with the player that he picks mm. uh, instead of turning into an argument of like, well, he doesn't have anyone else, so then it's the club's fault. It's all Daniel Levy's mm. fault. It's Daniel Levy's bloody fault for not giving Conte mm. other options. And it's like, no, no, Conte has other options. Like regardless of whatever you think of Doherty or Spence or anything, um, or Lucas or anyone else in that squad, like he's got other options, but for whatever reason, Conte loves going with him. So I think, yeah, we've just got to ride it out until we get to a transfer window. I have a funny feeling that we won't get a, um, a top class right back in this, sorry, wing back in this, this, um, like summer window because Mm. I, I, I just see so many reasons, like the World Cup inflation on players. Like if someone has a half decent game in the World Cup, suddenly they're going to be worth double what they are normally. Um, yeah. And also what players after this World Cup, like they're going back to clubs, clubs are going to be stretched thin anyway. Which clubs are going to go, oh yeah, we want to get rid of our starting players when we've got a really sort of tough rest of the season now when everyone's going to be exhausted. So yeah. I think we're set up for disappointment if people are really getting their hopes up for this window. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Because what, and also it's, it's common knowledge that Emerson isn't sort of fitting the role that he should be, uh, that he's playing. 
And so other clubs are going to be like, oh, we know Spurs want a, a right wing back. If they come for ours, we know that they need one. So we're just going to add, uh, you know, 10, 20 million on top of whatever the price is, plus World Cup inflation, plus it's the January window, plus they've got their own needs that they need to fulfill. Um, I'm go- doing a bit of a, like a English punditry thing here. Plus that, <laughs> plus that, unbelievable. Oh my God, just put a bit of grit in the ground and just play on it. Just play on it. A bit of extra grit and then just play on it. Stop complaining. Honestly. Um, but yeah, the game itself, I mean, I don't even know. Like watching it, it didn't, like sure, it was exciting. You know, we won 4-3. Um, but it's this thing, it's almost like we need to be behind. We have to be behind and then it's like the shackles are off and we go for it and we're really clinical and we look really good. And then as soon as that happens, it's like, all right, boys, back to what wasn't working before. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I just can't move past the idea that this is all sort of planned, um, these slow starts and everything. And I think like Conte has mentioned things about it. Hugo, I think in an interview a couple of weeks ago, basically said that as much, but it Mm. does sort of seem that it's like, we are really trying to go low key, hold teams off. Inevitably we make a mistake, (laughs) which isn't in the plan. (laughs) And then once the mistake happens, it's kind of like, like you said, it's like, oh, well, shackles are off now. We better start playing and really try and do something. Um, And we can't conserve energy because now we've got to go for the win. Um, But it just happens too many times that it's like, we start the games in just the exact same ways. And, mm. you know, uh, maybe we will get to the end of the season and we will be like, you know what? This was a genius approach. Um, mm. If we are still relatively fresh compared to other teams at the end of the season, if we get to mm. the end of the season and the other teams that are uh, even the other ones playing champions league and everything around us, if they're not buggered and, and we are, then I think we can look back at this and go, Hmm. That really didn't work out at all, did it? Yeah. And I can see the logic behind it where it's like, if we play passive uh, football at the start of games where both teams come in, you know, arguably around the same kind of fitness or energy levels, and we conserve our energy and wait until they tie themselves out and then we go for it we have a greater advantage because they've tied themselves out. We can overrun them. It's going to be easier for us to score goals. But like you said, we make errors. And and there's this logic there. But, you know, there is also an equal logic to let's start at, you know, 200 kilometers an hour and get it done and then relax, um, which then leaves you more open. I guess. In terms of context, like, game management and wanting to control games that leaves you more vulnerable because it's like, well, I don't have that control because my players might be spent from what they did at the start of the game in the first half or in the first half an hour. Um, and so therefore we're more likely to have these like fade outs and you know, whatever else, but. And that's more Jose, right? That's more Jose ball. Yeah. Yeah. Jose ball. Yeah. We'd always look great (laughs) for 15 minutes (laughs) and then we'd be like, Whoa there. Whoa there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it's like why I find it funny when people go like, Jose and Conte, they're the same. It's like, absolutely not. They're opposite. Like Jose wants to go ahead, get the goal first and then just shut up shop and not do anything. Uh, and then maybe you get overrun, but then Conte is the opposite. <laughs> he wants to just like, you know, uh, I guess shut up shop first and then, mm. and then really just absolutely have like 
bargain basement sales in the second half. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was funny that, uh, you know, Benton Kerr didn't have the best first half and then the second half he gets a brace and, you know, was our saviour. And then, I mean, I guess we haven't brought up the, the biggest thing, which was just having Kulisevsky back. Like it just changes our game completely. Oh, he is, um, what, what is his hashtag? Oh, it's like hashtag DK the truth, I think, <laughs> which is, I think is the hashtag that he put up on, um, his, uh, on his Instagram photo from after the game and mm. the truth. I don't know if he wants to be called the truth. I'm pretty sure Paul mm. Pierce, former NBA player, he was the truth, um, as a nickname, maybe Kulisowski was a fan, but if he wants to be called the truth, then we'll call him the truth. I'm down for that. I'm so happy to call him the truth. That's <laughs> like, he, he just has that, you know, everyone was so concerned about his pace and, you know, he's a reject and blah, blah, And we've gone over this a million times, but watching him play, it's like, I, I and we've said this before, it's like time moves differently for him, but the pace is just not a factor with the way that he plays the ball and the way he's able to dribble and, um, you know, create things for, for other players. It's, he's just like, it's just such a good signing. It's unreal how good that signing is. Oh, definitely. And I think there was a moment in this game where he did knock it round like two players and went round the outside <laughs> yeah. and it was very like Gareth Kulisevsky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, he's not slow. Like he just, looks slow. It's like, how many times do we have to go over this with certain fans? Like even the um, commentators for the games, like, well, he's a slow player. Da, da, da. It's like, he's not mm. slow. It's like, he's just got mm. this w running style that makes him look really awkward, but mm. he's moving pretty quick. Like it's, yeah. he's not, he's, he's not a slow man. And I don't even mean just for an athlete, anything like that. Like he's, he gets up to a pretty decent pace once he gets going. It's crazy to me that, you know, the few select stats that the broadcast will use is possession shots on target. Um, and maybe they'll do a bit of pass accuracy, but also they'll bring up top speeds. Yeah. And it's like, this is something that is proliferated within the football coverage. You have an actual number as to how fast he is, which is not slow by any means. Like he's, he's quick but he appears to run in a weird way. So then that gets discounted because it's like, oh, slow poke. And it's like, he just passed two plate. <laughs> like what? Oh, definitely. And I think it was, maybe it was like the first game he played where he put up a top speed. It was like, it was over 30 K um, mm. an hour. And it was like, yeah, he's not slow. All right, let's just put that to bed. But it's still this thing that just sort of like, persists. It's like people mm. that, that want to tear him down, they just want him to be slow. So they just mm. refuse to ignore that he might not be that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. What was your favorite goal of this game? Um, I would say the one where Kulisevsky, he's, he's in the box and he just goes round. I forget the, the Leeds defender, but it's just, he just touched it at the right time mm -hmm. and he just, and and this was an example where he wasn't like blitzing past him, but it was such a savvy touch and just twist of the body that he just like sold this guy for a bunch of hot dogs. And then, mm. um, I think that was the one where he just tapped it back to, and Benton Kerr had a pretty, um, pretty comfortable finish that maybe that was the last goal. Yeah. I think that was the last goal. I think that was it because to me it was like, 
very much like Kulisevsky's back and at a clutch moment in the game where we're at 3-3, a lot riding on this, it's like he just gets it done, creates all this space, basically gets it into the six-yard box, and it's just a tap-in for Benton Kerr. And mm. it's just like, oh, my goodness. You know, this is like this is our creative player. This is our creative genius in the team. And it, mm. he just, it was just sort of re, really announcing his return um, for me. I think that goal. What about you? Um, I think I agree with you. What, one thing I love about him is that, you know, in early Poch days, Ericsson was sort of the one of the um, seven that hit the ground running and was productive. And then, you know, but, you know, we've all seen, as much as Ericsson's a great player, we've all seen, you know, there's not this kind of like absolute violence that Kulisevsky has. And it's like for Ericsson's, um, like, uh, what's an equivalent, um, like Pixar, Pixar uh, attitude, Kulisevsky's like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. And it's so funny to have this creative player that's just ready to go <laughs> at any moment. Yeah, it's such a different dynamic. I love it. That's okay. I really could see um, Ericsson as a Pixar character when you said that. Mm. Um, yeah. And like, is it in Ratatouille when um, the, the main guy, not the rat, when just uh, he keeps giving this look of like shock and bemusement. And I can kind of see that a little bit from Ericsson. Yeah. Because yeah, like if we were going to criticize Ericsson about something back in the day, it would be that in big games and big moments, um, he wasn't like a fighter in that sense that he would get sort of stuck in. And this sounds like you're really sort of playing it down, but like what you're mm. saying, it's like Kulisewski will use f force when he needs to. Mm. And like, he's not afraid to get things done. However, that needs to happen. Um, mm. rather than sort of everything having to be silky and smooth. Um, yeah. And all yeah. that. And you can imagine him like, uh, before a game, they're like, Decky, we're going on now. And he's staring in the mirror going, you looking at me? You looking at me? Punching the mirror. Maybe he shoots it. And then they're like, come on, man. And he's like, all right. And he goes out. All right. The truth is coming. <laughs> yeah. Here comes the truth. Here comes the truth. Here comes the truth. Yeah, that's that should be. He should have his own entrance. He should have. His, I would love <laughs> it if players had, um, like, you know, wrestling doesn't so well. <laughs> Everyone's mm. got their entrance music. Like, it would probably take a long time if all the players had their own entrance music before the yeah. game started. But mm. maybe that's the benefit of being a sub, that it's like, well, you don't get to start the game. You're probably a little bit disappointed. But mm. you get your entrance music if you get subbed on. <laughs> that would be incredible. Like that would be amazing. Like I yeah. would I would love that so much. And players really had free reign with it. So I mean if you had someone who really wanted to emulate the Undertaker and turn all the lights off in the stadium, mm. lights come back on and then they're standing just on halfway. Um, yeah, that would be great. If Pierre wanted to do that, fine. Right, but he's never yeah. starts on the bench. But um I would I would love that. I would be all aboard I'd be all aboard this for a game. And then after that, you'd probably be like, oh, well, <laughs> this has been really Yeah, I'm over this now. <laughs> More time wasting, really? Yeah. Especially it'd be like when the opposition does it and then it's like they keep drawing out these subs. That's when it would oh. become absolutely infuriating. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Like just imagine like at Stamford Bridge and we're down like one nil or something and it's the 89th minute. And then they just make, can continually make these subs and these entrance oh. music's just taking the piss. Can you imagine? Yeah, they're like 89th minute and they bring on Christian Pulisic to like Cotton Eye Joe or some bullshit. Like <laughs> it would just be unbearable. Um, I don't really have any, like uh, this game was, I thought Larice was, was shit. Um, and apart from that, I thought like Dyer's sliding. Um, and these are just like, these, these are not based in any kind of, this is just me recalling how I felt at the game. So please don't take these seriously. This is just one man's emotions. No, I just really love this. That it's like we were so it would it was just so fun for a moment there with entrance music and this, and I was like, mm. all right, back to it. So Loris was shit, Dyer <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the critic. There's the alter ego of the critic came in and um, mm -hmm. took over. Yeah, look, if we want to actually analyze the game in that sense, Dyer especially has been on an absolute downwards trajectory since he got in the yeah. England team. Yeah, I hope he has a good World Cup. Because he's, he's gone from, you know, eight months of being like, oh, wow, Eric Dyer is insane. He's amazing. Like, what a linchpin of this team. Uh, to, oh, my goodness, how many mistakes are we going to have from Dyer in this game? Unreal. And I, I wonder as well how much of it is that, even though in the past, I guess he, he has had Romero out for spells because Romero is always injured when he's not playing for Argentina. Um, mm. But I wonder how much of it is just, just like, especially this season, like overloading ourselves in the first half of games with like inviting teams onto us that it's just, it was just a matter of time before Eric Dyer was going to become unstuck. Yeah. I wonder if that is kind of playing into it as well. And, and maybe this is kind of leveling out a little bit, whereas at the start of the year, it, he didn't have these like sustained pressure as much in games. And so I think it was easier for him. He was, yeah, he was also playing, you know, the center, center back role, which is very protected. And then he's been playing right and it's less so. And then he's got Emerson Royale and the others, you know, like he's not, he's sort of being put in a role that is perhaps uh, more difficult for players that aren't Romero. And, and I think it's like, if you took our back five and let's say... The four, the rest of the four are uh, a top quality defenders. Mm. Then including, I'm effectively saying we've got like two really, really good wingbacks as well. Then it's like Dyer probably then gets away playing in the middle mm. and mm. we're just going to be that good that he's, he's not going to come under that much pressure just being in that middle role. It's like, mm. it's very much like everyone else is kind of dealing with everything and, and he's just there for the scraps and then to play the ball out. Yeah. But when we're not that, he, he gets caught out. No, I mean, you know, he's just there to yell. That's what, that's his dream role. <laughs> he loves a yell. He, lo <laughs> he loves a yell. He loves a good yell. Mm. Him and Pierre mm. both love a good yell. Uh, I know in this yeah. game, you, you were afterwards were quite critical of Pierre. To me, I kind of saw a guy who, I don't think he played that, that horribly. I think he was definitely a, partly at fault for the first goal. Um, mm. But I kind of just saw a guy, I'm like, this, he's just tired. He needs a, <laughs> this guy needs a little bit of a break now. But um, mm. yeah, how did you feel for Pierre over, overall? Well, as I said, I'm the number one Pierre fan in the world. Um, and so when I see him, or when I perceive him to have a game that is poor, I don't feel angry. I just feel disappointed, you know. 
Um, and I thought, yeah, that are you Pierre's dad? Like what's <laughs> yeah. and like in retrospect, like I can't even remember the fact that I said that and I've watched the game again and I didn't have the same feeling. So I'm just hyper aware, um, in jumping in to defend him because <laughs> of all these traitors, um, all these treasonists against Pierre. But what's great is, you know, he he probably does need a rest, but don't worry, he'll be playing every single game for Denmark. So, yeah, um, all good. <laughs> I mean, look, it could also very well be one of those cases where I think if a player makes a mistake early in the game, unless they come back and score like a hat trick, that does mm. kind of hang over them. It's like suddenly they are really trying to make up for a lot of like that that bad mistake. Whereas if someone mm. starts a game really really well, plays amazingly for first half. Then they make a mistake. You're like, oh, that's right. They've been playing really well. That's just a small error. Um, mm. And it doesn't seem like they're constantly trying to claw their way back yeah. from it. Yeah. It's rel- It's all relative to the game state and their performance. Um, why, Dan, was Sonny dressed like a um, 1970s librarian? I don't know, but I've got time for it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wearing a shawl. The players maybe had a picnic on his torso <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> I think he's, he's not even injured. He just wanted to show, like debut his new look. Mm. And he's like, look, this is the game. I've got to get it out before the World Cup. Mm. Um, what do we reckon here? Like, he doesn't look like the, he doesn't look like someone who's sick in, in that sense. No. <laughs> it's kind of like if someone's gone like, oh, I can't come into work today. I'm feeling a bit ill. And then you see a mm. photo of them in like sunnies and like <laughs> this. You're like, hang on, that, this doesn't fit what we're expecting here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't come in. I'm sick today. And then there's a photo of them at the Met Gala. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I, he just, to me, like, I know it, you know, maybe this is really underestimating him or is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Patronizing him. But to me, every time he comes out in these, you know, uh, very well put together outfits, I'm like, someone's dressed you. You look like some. It looks like someone has dressed you, mm. and I reckon that's Papa Sun. Yeah, I was going to say. Hopefully, it is his dad, who's like such a taskmaster for everything else and every other aspect of his life. But then mm. he's just an—he's absolutely on the pulse when it comes to fashion. Mm. Mm. Just so much, so much. He is—he's like the John John Paul Gaultier of the football world. Is John Paul Gaultier, is he an actual relevant, like that was just the first name that came to my head. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, um. Sure, okay. That's, that's relevant. He's Dolce and Gabbana. <laughs> yeah. Not just one, he's, he's both. both. <laughs> he's both. <laughs> um, should we, uh, on the uh, football, uh, fashion plus the, uh, Pierre performances for Denmark that are upcoming. So we want to talking about the world cup, the most unfashionable world cup of all time. Mm, mm, mm. Wowee. Yep. Papa Son would not put this on his resume. No. Uh, he's also not responsible for it. So it would be scandalous for him to put it on his resume. <laughs> if he did put it on his resume, that would be unreal. Yeah, eventually they're like, all right, so you got this, hang on, wait, World Cup 2022. <laughs> yeah, it was me. It was me. You've just put World <laughs> Cup 2022, that's it. <laughs> I built the sea container st- uh, stadium. Oh, this guy's good, all right. You're high. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, very unfashionable. Um, yeah. So something I watched uh, during the week was, I don't know if you've seen it yet, the FIFA Uncovered documentary on Netflix. 
Oh, is that out? No, I haven't seen it. That's out. Um, mm. Ah, very interesting timing, Netflix, to release this. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of rate it, though, from, like, if you're talking about, like, shithousery, to, like, release mm. this four-part doco, which also, after watching it, I'm like, it doesn't need to be four parts. Um, yeah. It's really dragged out quite a lot. But just mm. to go, you know what? We're not covering the World Cup, so uh, let's release FIFA Uncovered a week beforehand <laughs> to try and shit-cam the whole thing. Well, you just know with, with Netflix that if they were covering it, we'd never see this documentary. And uh, it's like, sure, the regime and the fact that it's even there is this sort of like manifestation of corruption and evil. But Netflix sucks. Like, <laughs> they suck. And I'm glad that they've released this documentary. Of course, it's over four parts. It, it could just be one. But I just watched so many bad Netflix documentaries that I, like, am already, like, I'll watch it, but I'm already cringing at the idea. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, like, I was kind of excited. I was like, great. I love just people having pops at FIFA now. Um, mm. Especially because FIFA, you know, they released a statement, I think, a week or so ago, which was... Um, in response to all the, the armbands and, and talking teams talking about protesting where Infantino was like, Hey everyone, just stick to football, not politics. Uh, <laughs> let's not allow football to be dragged into every ideological or political battle that exists. Um, and we're just like, shut up, Johnny. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, <laughs> don't, don't make it, don't, don't take that. Um, don't, sorry, don't stand on that hill. Like that's, that's not, Yeah. that's really, really bizarre. But so I was like, great, Netflix are going after FIFA a little bit on it. But then I saw that like Set Bladder is in the documentary uh. and instantly I was like, ah, they're going to pull punches because mm. there's no way Set Bladder is like, yeah, I'll agree to go on and you can ask me any question you want, anything. Mm. Mm. Um, I also saw that there's a representative from the Qatar World Cup bid on there as well. Mm. Oh, great. And so when I saw that, I'm like, all right, this is not going to be as cutting as what we were hoping for. Um, it was quite interesting in some of the early stuff you see about like the 1978 World Cup in Argentina being a big sports washing event and, you know, the idea that this is nothing new. Um, and yeah, I think it did a good job of documenting a whole bunch of corruption throughout like the late nineties, early two thousands. And especially in, you know, with, with Jack Warner and, um, and Chuck Blazer and, and whatnot, but yeah, what by the time it got to sort of talking about Qatar, it's it's it basically all you get is there are a few journalists on there being critical of it and saying there's been like five thousand deaths from workers, and then you've got the representative from the World Cup being like, no, that's not true. There's only been a couple of deaths, and they're not on World Cup projects. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? What? What are they on? Like you didn't say, but it's just so weird to just be like, no, oh, look, we're fine. We've had some deaths, but they're just not on World Cup projects. So your point is not valid. It's like, uh, mm. yeah. And their lives, they meant nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. And it's such a big thing. Like I think now Amnesty International has maybe said, put the figure at like six and a half thousand or something like that. Um, migrant worker deaths, but the Qatar figure mm. is something like four. <laughs> yeah, great, great. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. So we'll believe you now. Okay, yeah, no worries. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you know, like one thing I've liked is, and, and I, I'm so reticent to praise this man because I hate him, but Jurgen Klopp's uh, press conference where he was like, 
why are you asking me and the players about the World Cup? I have nothing to do with it. The players want to play in the World Cup. It's a, it's a big occasion. They only get a couple of their career. You're now putting it on them when you, the journalists, did nothing. Mm. And it's like, yeah, did nothing. You know, like, you know, we've made fun of um, uh, Hummel. I think it's Hummel doing the, like, faded kits where you can still see the mm-hmm. badge and all that kind of stuff. But... Of course, these brands are going to make these kind of like pseudo protests, but the people, the 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 role of the journalist uh, in these situations is supposed to be to talk about the truth and and uh, you know share what is really going on with the public who are not um, able to access that information. And we've had very little in the build up. Like, and now all of a sudden it's, the, you know, asking the player, you're going to wear armbands and what, what are you doing? It's like, well, hang on a minute. You're not the judge, jury and executioner. You're actually meant to be the investigator in the first place. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think it's like, you know, some journalists will say, well, we did speak about it. We did do this, that and everything else. And it's like, some did, but there, there wasn't this huge sort of avalanche where, if they, if they just kept going with this when it was first announced and when the bid was won, like they really could have done something if the, the media organizations really jumped on this hard and just refused to drop it because then it would have come under so much more scrutiny then. And I don't know if people just thought like, well, well, this isn't going to eventuate because these bids are ridiculous. Um, but so then people kind of like, it's so ridiculous. I'll write one story on it, but it's going to all come tearing down. So that's fine. I can move on, <laughs> but uh, not to defend them, but it's, it, it really is just, yeah, it's weird that now it's, it's everything is sort of coming out and suddenly now all the journalists do have a, a very, they're all taking the moral high ground on it. Um, I do like though, at least certain people are getting called out now. Like David Beckham is coming under a lot more hate for his, mm. um, the money he's received and, and mm-hmm. his in, involvement in the promotion of, of everything. Um, and I think Gary Neville as well. And I found this quite funny to see that Gary Neville is always, he's usually been interviewed in situations where he's been like the top dog. So people don't push him that much. Yeah. So it's like, if it's on a radio show or whatever, or he was a guest on football weekly and they kind of asked him a bit about it. But then it's like, Gary Neville was your big guest there. So they kind of like backed off pretty quickly as soon as Gary was like, I think it's better to get paid to go over there and then have conversations and, and, and start dialogues with people. Whereas <laughs> I found it very funny that he was on like a BBC show, have I got news for you? And then the, basically the contestants on the show, um, all celebrities, of course, but they went after him and they were just mm. like, no, it's not good enough for you just to say, I'm going to go and, and they're like, you can take, you can not take the money and then you can pipe up at home. And bring light to all the issues. You don't have to take the money, go over there, and then just use that as an excuse. It's rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the clip's really good if people haven't seen that. Um, oh, definitely watch it. Watching uh, his face transform <laughs> during it where he thinks maybe it's over, he's laughed it off, and then it keeps going. He looks just – it's the perfect, like, naughty boy gets caught out. And it's so good. And it's such a great, like, unveiling Wizard of Oz style that the man behind the machine is just a man. Oh, yeah. uh, Who's taking money from this tournament. Oh, God, I love it so much. It was so good. And I think J.B. Carragher afterwards tweeted, and he was like, something like, 
oh, handled really well by Gary Neville on this, blah, 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 blah. And people were just like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. He just got absolutely schooled and then he sat there like a stunned mullet because he just realized that he had no defense, which actually made any sense. And he just was like, like you said, he was just a little boy just staring at them and just like being called out. It's it's interesting. The, the other thing that's come up recently, um, Barney, and I guess maybe mm. it's a way that Ronaldo has gone, hey, there's this World Cup on, everyone's really pissed off about guitar and everything. How can I make it all about me right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, his explosive interview from the last couple of days. Oh. And I love it's with a human worm, Piers Morgan. <laughs> Absolute human worm. That. <laughs> oh, it's like uh, Satan and Beelzebub together at last. It's so weird. Like I saw a bit of the the Pierre's and Kanye interview, mm. and it's just kind of interesting that to see like you know Pierre's was really going. Um, so Pierre's, what, what did I say? Pierre's. Mm. Pierre's was really <laughs> going um, after Kanye, and I think deservedly so. But then in the Ronaldo one, it's like he clearly is just on Ronaldo's side here and just wants these <laughs> yeah. big takes that will just rattle man you and you know and all that sort of stuff and it's just kind of like yeah like you said he's just such a giant worm that it's like if he was really taking his job seriously you'd kind of you'd kind of maybe question some of the things that Ronaldo is saying and not have this as a puff piece on just allowing Ronaldo just to call out everyone (laughs) I mean I haven't seen I've only seen uh quotes from this uh, interview where I've heard, you know, or read Ronaldo be like, um, I feel, you know, like I'm being forced out and um, the manager's, you know, he's terrible and blah, 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 blah. I I don't really know any of the details. Have you seen it? Uh, I haven't seen the full. I've seen a couple of little bits. But, yeah, I think that the really sort of big ones coming out are things that, He's basically saying since Ferguson left, Man U is just nothing. Like it's just going downhill as a club. And he's like, when I return to the club after being away, everything's the same. Nothing's improved. Um, but then there was like stuff about Ten Hag and he's like, I don't respect Ten Hag at all. He doesn't <laughs> respect me. So why should I respect him? Mm. And it's just like, he's really just kind of, yeah, absolutely just unleashing it feels kind of a little bit Lukaku-esque of, of the, the interview he did um, mm. after he returned to Chelsea. And it's like, basically, clearly doesn't want to be there. Um, but yeah, this is Ronaldo just like, the toys are out of the prayer and he's just like, he's just unleashing. And it's like, his ego is so massive that it's like, instead of just sorting some of this stuff out, it's like he plays off the back of all his fanboys just you know, and he's 500 million followers just going like, goat, goat, goat. You can't disrespect the goat, whatever you do, da, 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 da. <laughs> rather than actually just dealing with shit like an adult and like doing your job properly. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, I think you made a really good point where this is a situation where, you know, players or managers are being asked about the world cup and Ronaldo has a huge profile. If he's, was to come out and be as uh, explosive or aggressive about the fact it's in Qatar, it would have a big effect because of those fanboys, because of his position. But instead, he does an interview with a human worm to promote himself. It's like, how, how can you still 
worship this person when they're clearly just a huge piece of shit. Oh, totally. And it's just, it's like, feels like one stop short of being like, look, there are many human rights violations in Qatar, but the biggest human rights violation is happening at uh, Old Trafford at the moment. (laughs) Why am I not getting the respect I deserve from Eric, little stupid boy, Ten Hag? Yeah. Is it because I don't press? Is it because I'm not a team player? Is it because I break down systems? Can't be true. I keep calling Amnesty International. They don't want to take on the case. They don't want to talk to me. They refuse to answer my calls now. They say they've got other more important things. I think it's an absolute disgrace. <laughs> Zoom! Oh my God, I hate him so much. I hate him so much. I just, I can't believe in the face of his actions, his history, what we already know about him, that he still has the fan base that he has. And then in the face of this interview, people are still like, you know, it's that whole thing of the breakdown of um, following teams and where people follow players. It's like, what, what are you doing? This person doesn't care about you. Yeah. They don't know who you are. They'll never know who you are. If you if they had a choice to um, have your life erased and, and have nothing to do with it, you know, for their own benefit, like especially in Ronaldo's case, probably would. Oh, definitely. And it's like the people defending, they come, they, they, they're going on about things like, you know, early this year, like him and his partner, unfortunately, they lost to, lost to one of the babies, which is mm. heartbreaking, horrible, horrible for that, you know, objectively for anyone that. Uh, would have to go through that horrendous, horrendous, yeah. horrendous. Yeah. But that doesn't then just excuse everything else because it's like a lot of other people go through that sort of um, trauma and then it's like you, you just can't go, oh, well, he's been through this and then that's – so this then mm. – this makes up for it all. It's like mm. here's why I guess like I'm I'm so sort of like disappointed in Ronaldo as this global icon is because mm. like you said, it's like he's – you know, he's so massive – that it's if he chose to really make some stand on some of these really important topics for other people, mm. he's the type of player who could actually influence something. Um, mm. He's the type of player that also could influence a lot of like, there are a lot of young teenage boys who follow him and mm. they, they're pretty vile on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, if he started supporting some, um, some of these things, like if he started supporting, um, and look, he could have done it to some extent, but I have not seen anything of it. And given that I've seen all this other stuff from, I assume that he hasn't like, but if he's supporting like the LGBTQ plus community and <laughs> talking about all that sort of stuff, there would be some people who would start like, it could make a generational shift because he's so huge, mm. but you know, <laughs> instead it's just go, going on about being annoyed at being on the bench and throwing his, <laughs> throwing his shirt on the ground and refusing to come on and all this sort of rubbish. No, it's just so revolting he's so revolting he's so horrible um i assume they were probably like um hey ronaldo harry kane here um we're all wearing the one love armbands for the world cup (laughs) what about cristiano armband (laughs) we wearing that as well like underneath or on top or yeah or is it one love for cristiano (laughs) yeah my face is not on this what's uh is this design flaw (laughs) yeah it's so revolting. Just just not a good dude. 
<laughs> and also all the allegations against him, that which we don't need to go into, because we've talked about that many, many times. So Yeah, yeah, that already existed before this. This is not a new revelation. He was already awful. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, there you go. A lot to look forward to. I'm, I'm really curious now as to if all this talk of, like, protests and, and standing up and, and doing these sort of things, if there is actually going to be anything that happens at the world cup. Like if there is going to be some sort of protest fans, if they did it, you're probably not going to see the fans again. So like, yeah, they're really tied into a court. Like they, if they step out of line, this is not a country you want to go in and step out of line in. Mm. Um, players can still pipe up, but that's really the only thing was, I think we're counting on because we know for, sh- <laughs> for sure that the commentators are not going to, start getting into, and we'll see Denmark here in their all black kit. Now, what they are wearing that for is because of mm. uh, supporting human right violations in this country. <laughs> I'm not going to see any of that. I nope. want. I wonder nope. how they're going to dance around that topic. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fascinating to hear that. And, and the thing that, which is, uh, I guess, frustrating because of the structural problems, not only of the Qatari regime, but of FIFA and the fact that this isn't even happening in this country is that as we get closer, as I said, the coaches get asked, the players get asked, and then it comes down to it's like, well, if fans are so upset, then don't watch it. It's like, yeah, but this is something that's very important to people that have had nothing to do with the fact that it is being played in this country. And they, uh, if they've spent whatever money to go there, or if they're just watching it at home, it's like, oh, they're meant to deny themselves of that because of a group of people that are corrupt. So them not watching it is, if they watch it, then they're complicit. And it's like, but if they don't watch it, nothing happens. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if every person in the world that would watch the World Cup then doesn't, that has an effect. But if there is people out there that don't watch it overall, most people are going to watch it. Like I'm going to watch it. I'm going to feel horrible while well, I do, but I'm going to watch it. Oh, massively. Because it's like, as fans have had zero say in any of this, This it's all FIFA's doing. And it's all the, the FIFA executive committee and all that. Like the fans were not like, hey, we really need to have a World Cup in Qatar. We really, mm. really, really need a World Cup in Qatar. That's what we need more than anything else. It's like, we can be mm. critical of fans in other areas. Like when we had Super League, like, we were critical of the fans as well because we're like, if you're constantly demanding that we're spending hundreds of millions of pounds on players and and all this sort of stuff, it's like, and you want us to spend so much more to get away from the pack behind us, like you're mm. kind of asking for Super League and then you're coming mm. out and condemning it. So you're being a little bit hypocritical then. But in this scenario, no one said, yeah, we really need to have a World Cup in Qatar. So no exactly. fans were ever in that position. So yeah, like you say, it's, it's really... I think it's really wrong to sort of yeah, put put the fans as like it's their responsibility now because like you said, what what's going to happen? Like we've got mm. it's on free to air on SBS here in in Australia. If I don't watch the game, there's no one at the SBS switchboard going, "Oh, hang on, we've um, there's a viewer that's dropped off. They must be uh, joining the protest of the human rights. Uh, we better take that up to the to FIFA. They'll really want to know about this." Yeah, they won't care. <laughs> like they mm. they. They don't care. Exactly. They don't. Um, and yeah, <laughs> the idea that that someone who, who has watched football that has not committed human rights violations or taken bribes to um, 
allow the, the you know sports washing basically um is then s- supposed to not watch it it's just like really like what really it's it's sort of like um uh, if there was a like a say um say i go into work tomorrow and a bomb goes off um because there's some disgruntled it's like well he shouldn't have gone in yeah. <laughs> like, what his fault for going in yeah bad call bad call yeah it's it's exhausting um and it's going to be the the thing that you know is important to watch for is people like Gary Neville who will talk about oh it's good to go over there and have a dialogue and blah blah, blah when it's like no you are a hundred percent complicit and taking money from this tournament you benefit from it you've done nothing right where you know to be critical and view these people through a critical lens because their participation in it is uh, motivated by financial gain. And sure, they're football fans too. Like that, I'm not going to take that away from them, but there are other options and there were multiple opportunities prior to five days before it starts to raise these issues. But now, because it's closer and the pressure's increased, it's a big problem for them all of a sudden. It's like, oh my God, piss off. Yeah, oh, totally. And it's like, I remember there was a topic we spoke about a while ago now, which was to do with like sort of, uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions and cutting all that. And it's like, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to turn lights off at our houses. We've got to do this, this, that, everything else. Mm. And then you've got like um, Kylie Jenner and like Travis Scott, like taking a <laughs> private jet for a seven minute flight and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like yep. the people with the biggest influence and they are the ones who are in positions mm. to actually make change because they're contributing to a lot more than everyone else is. And if they're doing the wrong thing, you can't then just go like, well, yeah, but Barney, you've got to turn your, you can't use enough hot water. You've got to turn your gas down a little bit so it's not that hot. You're the problem. Two minute showers, two minute showers. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to, that's going to fix it. It's all on you. It's all on you. Mm. You know, a movement can start from a single pebble and you can move a mountain. <laughs> it's like, no, who owns the mountain? Get them to move it first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speak to one of the mountains, get them to do something. Yeah, get them to do something. And then we can then we can actually just relax and, and chill a little bit. I think that mm. the giant worm that we spoke about, um, Piers Morgan, mm. uh, he he also put out an article, something of like along the along sorry, something along the lines of um, can we just watch the World Cup and not have virtue signaling and all this that, and everything else? <laughs> Yeah, and it's, so it's again. Yeah. It's basically saying like, "Hey, all you fans, just shut up and watch it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you raise any point against the World Cup in Qatar, you are uh, virtue signaling. What you're saying is not valid or true. You're doing it for clout, and it's like, no. Well, I would rather just watch a World Cup and not have any of this. And just be like, yay, the World Cup's in whatever country. Um, 6,000 people didn't die building the stadiums. Um, the whatever is the ambassador didn't come out and say horrible things about homosexuality. I'd rather that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Why can't we have that? I think David Beckham put up a post the other day for, I think it was for Remembrance Day, and it was like, lest we forget and something like that. <laughs> and then the, the funny thing was, there are a whole bunch of comments from people going underneath, lest we forget. 
All the migrant workers who have died in Qatar, da da da. <laughs> Lest we forget the fact that you can get jailed or killed for being gay in Qatar. Lest we forget, <laughs> da 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 da. And it's like, you know, David Beckham is someone who's not really very eloquent at the best of times, but mm. it's like the only thing I've seen acknowledging any of this has been from I think his like PR agency a little while ago, and it was it was just the most like just rubbish statement, which was something like, David is aware of uh, different opinions politically from different <laughs> places and it is thinks that people have different opinions of, of places and it's a it was this thing which is just like we're being very careful not to say that he supports the opinions here mm, but we're mm. not going to denounce them because uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of zeros which are heading our way um, from this but it's just this thing of just mm. like just pretending that it's not happening and it's just gonna fly by <laughs> can you imagine? You know, on a, a Spurs podcast, if we were approached and like, we want you to be the official podcast of the FIFA World Cup Qatar, we'd be like, oh my God, that's so exciting. Oh my God. And they're like, we'll pay you X amount of money. Can you imagine being 80 years old and reflecting back on your life and being like, I was complicit and participated in a, a tournament that was bought through corruption and resulted in the death of 6,000 people. Yeah. And I was like, sweet, I'll do it. <laughs> it would also be like, I would love that in this scenario, we're both like too naive to realize like, oh, they've come to a bit spursy. Well, wow, we must've been mm. top two or three podcasts that they've approached. Whereas <laughs> yeah. they're sitting there and being like, Hey guys, we've been through a hundred thousand podcasts. Everyone's saying <laughs> no. There's this one that they do okay. <laughs> They're yeah. a Spurs one. They're not even a general football one. I don't know. Should we approach them? It's like, yes, we need a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, that would be, it would not be something to, or it'd be the sort of thing that like, if you tell your grandkids about it and you're like, look, this is, you know, uh, dad and his friend used to have a, uh, sorry, granddad and his friend used to have a podcast. Um, and yeah, we covered a world cup. What was that? The Qatar world cup. Yeah. Yeah, it was Qatar, Qatar mm. World Cup. Was that the one that had um, all the deaths from the migrant workers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get paid for that? Uh, yep, yep. Like yeah. the legacy, any legacy you'd have would just be completely gone. Oh God! <laughs> Instantly. Exactly. Which is actually a great lead into uh, the fact that we will be doing a special World Cup <gasps> broadcast. Um, uh, the way it will be done is we so Dan and myself. Um, and then two friends of ours who are um, very funny comedians and improvisers um, who know nothing about football um, have been allocated teams and we will uh, be covering it in the only way that we can and know how to and that is absolutely taking the piss. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. We haven't organised any of the um, actual logistics of in terms of how we're going to do it, how many episodes we'll do, what kind of uh, uh, like release uh, schedule we're going to have, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. And just to clarify, we are doing this. This is not a bit like some people no. might be listening thinking like, I heard you talking about the stuff before, but now is this just going extra far into the joke? It sounds mm. really convincing. Um, but no, like we're saying, it's like the World Cup is happening, whether we participate in it or not. Um, <laughs> we're not going to be on there condoning uh, things that are happening. If, if anything, we're going to be calling stuff out throughout it as well. But, um, mm. yeah, we figured like, what's a, what's a, you know, way that we can still get involved and, 
do something a little bit differently than try and just provide complete in-depth analysts, uh, sorry, analysis of every single game because you'll be yep. getting that from a whole bunch of different sources. Uh, so yeah, it's like, let's have a bit of fun with it and mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out as we go. And if you, if you're thinking, Hmm, um, oh, how will they, how will they make jokes about this? Well, we've done the draw and let me tell you my teams that I have USA, Costa Rica, Australia, Saudi Arabia, Morocco, Uruguay, and then my two shining lights are the Netherlands, who are not great at the moment, and Portugal, where my most hated enemy plays for. So it's going to be a great World Cup for me. Um, Can't wait. Um, It's great to see that uh, Matt and Indy, who will be joining us in the podcast, both got much better draws than me, um, and they don't care. So that's, uh, that's good. They really don't at all. Um, and they have got much better draws than you. I mean, I've got mm. Japan, France, Croatia, Germany, Serbia, Cameroon, Mexico, and the country that shall not be named Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased that you got Qatar. Um, I really hope Qatar just get absolutely destroyed in every single game that yeah. they play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so do I. I wonder if we'll see like the games will just magically be called at like 38 minutes or something. Yeah, it's too hot. It's too who, hot. Who put this World <laughs> Cup here? It's too hot for this. Isn't there a rule that if you if you lose by more than 10 goals, it just defaults to a 3-0 loss? Is yeah. that the rule? Uh, no. Oh, but that's what we do with Qatar anyway. So yeah. do you want to argue mm. with us? Don't think so. Look, I, I, my only hope for any kind of rebellion is the fact that my my dad told me his mates who are cameramen or uh, have been contracted over there to work on the World Cup. And the only thing that they've reported back is that it costs $22 for a glass of beer. And these men, they don't like to spend money and they like to, to they like to drink beer. And so I, I think it's going to make them in a high-stress environment quite angry. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing any kind of... Uh, uh, result of that in the coverage, in the way the the game is framed. Definitely. Um, my sort of fear around this is that um, not necessarily, not for the the prices, like that's just ridiculous and it's just like taking the piss that you would take it out on fans to like have to make them pay that much. Exactly. Um, but in the stadiums, they have an ungodly amount of cameras. It's like each stadium has something like 50,000 cameras and each mm. stadium has what has been called like a like a NASA control style like control room with anything like that. So I feel like any fans who might be thinking, you know what, let's bring along a sign for a bit of a protest. Uh, well, think again. <laughs> you'll you'll be on it so much that like it's so ridiculous mm. to think that they've just been like, yeah, you know, we could have spent the money on the final stadium that we forgot to build that we just used shipping containers for. But uh, no, we spent all of our money on the security systems to stop anyone speaking out against us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how indicative is that of uh, a regime that is uh, corrupt, that is inhumane and unfair, that their main concern is squashing any kind of 
commentary around how they conduct themselves. Oh, it, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, apparently another reason that they're, they're wanting to like get all these cameras going and everything is to stop fans from taking off their tops. Mm. Mm, a big concern that was on everyone's minds of like, mm. oh, what if some of the fans take their shirts off in the 40 degree heat? Mm. Yeah. That's going to be mm. really, really bad for everyone, isn't it? Mm. Well, we better yeah. install 50,000 cameras so we can yeah. march over and ask them and put their shirt back on. <laughs> if I see one ounce of human skin, <laughs> I will be disgusted. Yeah. It's like the VAR systems. It's like that we'll get to a call in the game and they'll be like, no, yeah. we actually didn't install VAR. We spent all the money on the skin <laughs> yeah. detection. The system, the system is overloaded by the aircon and the 50,000 cameras looking at the fans. So we do not have VAR. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So a lot of fans would probably be like, you know what? Maybe that's not a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's actually quite a good trade-off. Yeah. Anything to get rid of VAR. That's, that's all right. That's all right with us. Um, we have reached the precipice of the episode for I need to go and prepare for a job interview. Um, you challenged me to tell you <laughs> at this point. And so I have, um, so, um, we'll, uh, once we figure it out, we'll, uh, be, uh, doing some world cup, uh, pods. Um, anything else that we need to say, Dan? Yeah, we should say with that too. Um, we will, so anyone who's on the discord, you'll be, um, obviously already familiar with how we have that set up. It's very Spurs centric now but um you know over the next month we will it'll be more of a the same still the same discord but it'll be more of a world cup focus to it so uh even if you've got some friends who aren't massive spurs fans feel free to get them in and um you know join up and we'll just be doing a whole lot of stuff on there we'll be doing some like game day chats while the matches are going on and and everything there so uh yeah even if you join up for the discord for a month for the world cup and then leave when we go back to being fully spurs um, mm. yeah, that'll be the, the sort of little hub that will, um, that'll be our, our control center. Yeah. And if, uh, anyone, uh, wants to bring some mates on and it's like, what do I get out of doing that? What? You just get more people in your discord. Well, guess what? Here's a reward for you. If you <laughs> bring a mate on for the world cup, even if they stay for the month and tag, uh, me or Dan, um, I will draw you a portrait of Sepp Blatter. <laughs> There you have it, everyone. <laughs> yep. Everyone will be unique. I feel like we need to edit, re-edit this episode so that this comes out at the very first line. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone, stay tuned till the end of the episode. There'll be a, <laughs> for you to win a very special prize. A very special prize. <laughs> um, but yeah, please, please let me know if you would like a, I'm a very skilled artist um, and I can draw um, really great pictures of, of my mate, the bla the blatter. So. The blat. <laughs> the blat. Uh, he's looking old, um, the blat. He's, he's, he's looking old. Ooh, he's, he's a little wrinkly man now. I think he's like 86. So these, there'll be a lot of wrinkles in these pictures that Barney draws for you. Absolutely. You'll be able to feel them. <laughs> You'll be able to feel them. You'll look at it and go, is that set bladder or has Barney just drawn me a picture of a testicle? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, well, as always, I've been Barney. I've been Dan. And come on, you Spurs, and uh, fuck the Qatar World Cup. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.